Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. How you doing, everyone? I'm Russ Salzberg, and I want you all to listen up and get a load of this. Here's the message from New York City Schools Chancellor Richard Carranza. If you can't beat the elite, then let's cheat the elite, with his target being Asian Americans. Simply put, it's flat-out racism. So like I said, listen up, because you're really going to want to get a load of this. All right, so, folks, in a nutshell, New York City Schools Chancellor Richard Carranza, I call him... uh, the henchman for uh, Mayor Dishonorable de Blasio. Anyway, he wants to do away with the specialized high school admissions test for the purpose of what he claims is creating more uh, diversity in the city's elite high schools. And I'm talking about high schools such as the big three, which is Stuyvesant, Bronx Science, and my alma mater, Brooklyn Tech. Well, when this was first introduced... And you've heard me talk about it here before. When it was very first introduced, and I believe it was back in the spring of uh, 2018 at some point, I was screaming blue murder because I thought it was ridiculous. I thought it was just an awful idea. And I also thought that it was a terribly racist idea with the target of the racism being Asian Americans in the city because they make up the majority of these schools. And for a good reason. They passed the test fair and square, and they've got in. Well, joining me now to talk about it is Weiwa Chin. She's the president of the Chinese Americans Citizens Alliance of Greater New York. Uh, welcome, Weiwa. Thanks so much for being here. Uh, thank you so much, Russ, for inviting me. Well, listen, uh, you've heard what I just, I tried to give everybody a little synopsis what this is all about. There's a lot more for us to get into, but I just open it up so you have the floor. So your thoughts on this whole rigmarole is what I like to call it or scam or whatever. Uh, I think it's disgraceful. I agree with you completely. It's disgraceful that we have a mayor and chancellor who are not focusing on educating our kids, but trying to just uh, reallocate the seeds without trying to figure out how do we grow the seeds, how do we grow the ability of students to be able to uh, participate in education at its highest levels. And so I should actually say that we shouldn't think of these as elite schools, but advanced schools and particularly STEM schools. These are schools that are uh, primarily in science, technology, engineering, and math, and there is a place for it, there's a need for it, and it really does help our city, as well as our students to have these schools. To just 
think about uh, a very quick solution to a deep, deep problem of not enough, as they call it, not enough. Let's not call it not enough, but we don't have a high number that will be proportionally representative of uh, certain groups, but the intention was always to find students of interest and ability in these fields uh, and not necessarily just to uh, represent what is in the city. Now, having said that, I think we should face the critical problems. The mayor and the chancellor should be facing the critical problems of trying to fix the education at all levels in this system. We've got the largest system in the entire U.S., and we're not focusing on trying to educate the kids. We're just trying to look at how to divide our kids, and that's wrong. Well, you've said it very ladylike. Uh, I haven't been such a gentleman about it, and, and for for lack of a better term, I, I've said that really this is more about uh, Carranza and de Blasio covering their own rear ends, covering their own rear ends uh, more than anything else because they're failing a lot of the kids. You know, I graduated in 1969, so I'm not saying everything's going to stay the same, but, but as recent as the 90s, for example, Brooklyn Tech, uh, the majority were – were black and brown, and there was a reason for it. The reason for it were the children, when I say the children, before they were becoming teenagers, uh, there were programs, there were advanced programs in the city, and these these children benefited from it. You know, I've done my homework on this. From I think it was from 1976 to 1994, you know, it was a great majority was black and brown. Why did it change? It's because those systems, that system of advanced programs and what, went away. I had somebody on, on the radio with me, um, Robert Cornegay, who's the city councilman, uh, I think it's in Crown Heights and Bed-Stuy. And, you know, like he was saying, and all these systems worked. You know, the advanced programs, this test worked. And, and it's not... It's not just, you know, he, he, what I'm trying to say is a lot of the African-American community is in uproar over this as well, because a lot of the kids are making it fair and square, and he can't understand himself, who was a black man, why this is being taken away. Yeah, Carnegie's come out for the G&T, the Gifted and Talent right. programs, and that's very important, as you mentioned uh, there was a long, long time where blacks and Hispanics were the majority of Brooklyn Tech for 20 straight years. Right. And that's really completely based on the test. So they could do it. Uh, and uh, Carnegie knows that. And there are other uh, uh, black and Hispanic, brown, as you call them, uh, uh, politicians who understand that what you have to do is make sure that the uh, resources are available at an early stage. For the kids, you know, you don't jump into one of these specialized high schools with uh, from nothing. And I don't think it's right to call them elite schools. Actually, most of these kids are poor. You know, we have more than half of these kids on uh, reduced or free lunch. So these are poor kids. They're not elite. What they are is advanced. And we have to have advanced classes, and we have to have classes that will serve the majority 
as well of the students. Uh, you know, I never thought about it that way. Elite sounds like, as, as if you will, an elite, almost an elitist term, and it's not meant, certainly not meant to be for the school system. But I, I think advanced would be a, a, a maybe more of a proper way. But either way, well, here's another example. Now, this is from uh, Mona Davids. Mm-hmm. Now, Mona Davids, uh, is, correct me if I'm wrong, I can see you're nodding your head. She's the president of the Parent-Teachers Union. I believe that's the case. And um, this is a quote from her. It's completely absurd. They want to treat black students as victims and punish white students. That defeats the purpose of what bi- bias awareness training should be. Ms. Davids is black. You know, so it's not, this is not... And this is what annoys me. I am afraid as a, you know, long time, you know, born and bred in the Bronx, raised in Brooklyn. This is going to create, it's not going to, it's already cre- creating a divide amongst white, black, and Asian. And that is a bigger travesty than, than what's going on with just the simple education. It's creating a divide amongst classes of people. Absolutely. We shouldn't divide our city. We should be unifying it. We should be thinking of ways to make it better as one city. And the focus on race and saying that, well, because we want to achieve certain quotas, in effect, uh, that's wrong and it's damaging for the city as well as the individual. I don't think any kid wants to think that they got or lost a seat in a school or a job or anything because of their race. Remember, race is not something you can control. You can control whether you study more, you could study less. You could do all uh, other things to uh, prepare, but you cannot change your race, and we should never be judged on that. Well, I, I think that's pretty well, you know, really wraps it up in in terms of how you should be judged. But here's, uh, you, you know, I, I pulled out a bunch of stuff, and, and the reason it bothers me, well, well, before I even read this to you, I don't know if the proper word to describe the Asian community, the Chinese community, if you will, Asian American community, uh, uh, as a group to generalize as docile. But you, you, you know, you know what I think you know what I'm, I see a mm-hmm. smile, you, I think you know where I'm going with this. They're not a group of rebel rousers. They're not a group of screamers and hollerers. But I'm sensing, you know, when it comes to their children and their children's education, like enough is enough because I'm sensing that they're really becoming united and they want to do something about this. I agree that most Asians are not the first ones that you think of running out to protest and uh, break some windows, uh, tear down, or whatever it is. Uh, uh, when you have a um, a major protest, and I could still remember that this was for Peter Liang. Uh, this was uh, several years ago, and there were something like 30,000 people in, in, in Brooklyn's uh, Cabin Plaza. And at the end of it, the organizers are saying, pick up your garbage. And the whole place was left clean you wouldn't have known that there was a major protest of that magnitude mm-hmm. and this the thought is that we are part of this society we're not here to uh, just wreck things up but we are trying to improve it we want to stand up for our rights 
but it doesn't mean that we want to destroy what is good, and that's very important. You can't throw out the baby with the bath, as they say. Yeah, no, no, no you're right. Uh, he, here's when this all came out. Uh, like I mentioned last spring, uh, there was an editorial, and it really, when I read it, it, it just shook me. Uh, it's from a young lady. Her name was uh, Ang Louie or, or, or Lewis. Anyway, she's uh, her parents were um, from Haiti. She was an immigrant. And at the time of when this came out that Carranza wanted to do away with the uh, specialized test, uh, she, she wrote this. And this is from a young girl who was a junior at the time. So she's graduated Brooklyn Tech already. And I think this is important for, for listeners to hear this. Would I, the daughter of Haitian immigrants, prefer that I was going to a high school that included more African-American and Latino students? Of course, since the interaction with students from around the city, from all ethnic and racial groups, bring me brings me into contact with people whose life experiences are in some ways so different and, of course, in some ways not so different at all from mine. But. I also know that every one of my classmates of whatever race or ethnicity earn his or her way in through the test. And I know that students from every community have the potential to succeed on the test and in the schools if given the tools to do so. Now, that's from a young girl who's younger than us. And I, boy, does that make a whole lot of sense. Uh, Sometimes the kids when they think on their own rationally with the right tools, they could come up with a lot of good ideas. And we don't want them to be fed the wrong ideas because kids are also very young. And uh, some of the ones who are not as thoughtful as this young lady may not be able to parse it all out and understand rationally. But when you can understand, and most kids do understand if you don't get in the way, okay? They understand that if they work for something and they have the ability they recognize it. And when they see that somebody else does it, and they've done their little tests on this, they've, they've done experiments where uh, some kid would finish a, product, a project and get rewarded. And when they see another kid who doesn't fit and finish the product, uh, project and get rewarded too, there is a sense of injustice there, which is innate. It's inborn. So uh, we obviously don't want to get into that situation. We want to make sure that our kids are best prepared for what they are wanting to do and what is good for them to do. And that's something that we have to start very early with the kids in, in uh, developing them, And which is why I do believe that we have to reinstate a lot of the gifted and talented programs that were the feeder to uh, some of these best schools in most advanced uh, programs in the city. Now, uh, and the reason I also use her as an example, because in that editorial that she wrote, she also brought up the point that she didn't know anything about these schools that were the elite schools, as we say. Uh, we'll leave them, at, uh, we'll, we'll leave them as elite until we change fine. it to advance. Yeah. But she didn't know anything about it. And she had a teacher who noticed that she had potential in the sixth grade. And the teacher suggested, you know, you might have a chance uh, with some help and what to get into these schools. And she didn't know anything about the school. So the teacher explained it to her. Uh, the young lady thought that might be interesting. 
and the teacher helped her get into certain programs and and you know advance forward and she benefited the point being here she is in the New York City school system and she didn't know anything about it whose fault is that i call that that's the fault of the department of education because the word is not out to all the students you know it it's why you know this ridiculous idea of um Karanz and de Blasio were saying, we'll take the top 7% in each middle school and, you know, they can put them into these elite schools. But the the truth of the matter is what you're doing, you're putting, first of all, those children in harm's way. You're setting them up to fail because the top 7% in a school that's not getting it done is still not getting it done. So now you're going to put them in a school such as Tech or Stuyvesant or, or, or Bronx Science. If, and if they're not going to fail, they're going to need remedial programs to pass. So the whole system, to me, is cockeyed. That, that's absolutely true. And you have to have the kids ready to do the work and, and not change the nature of these schools, too. So you have to prepare them beforehand. You can't, as I said, take a crash course and all of a sudden be able to go and um, enter into ninth grade and do calculus. And, yes, there are kids who go into these schools ready to do calculus. If you have not been able to do fractions in eighth grade, and there are complete schools where there's not a single kid who can do fractions in eighth grade, if you take the top 7% from there, and put them into a school where you're trying to find kids who can do not just algebra, but trig and multivariate calculus very, very soon. That is actually not doing justice to the individual kid. And it's actually not helping our school system, our city, because we want to be able to develop uh, some of the talents that we have at all levels, you know, at all levels. We have many different skills here. We have to remember that we are a school city of diverse talents as well as diverse races and backgrounds it's really our abilities too that we have to address the the, the reason uh, you know folks I'm, I'm talking with Wei Wa Chin here who's the president of the Chinese Americans uh, Chinese uh, Chinese American Citizens Alliance of Greater New York and um, it's a mouthful yes it, it is a mouthful but it's a very important mouthful uh, I, I just, it strikes me, the reason I, I've called this racist, folks, is because, you know, I think it's something like 66%, or is, am I right, uh, 60%, 70% of, of the... the and some of the schools are, are, are as high as that, but not over the entire system. Oh, oh, Maybe okay. a little bit less than that for the specialized high schools are Asian. And uh, so that's what started this whole thing. Right. When you can have the... Uh, the Department of Education come out with charts and graphs and go to the different parts of the city and present these charts and graphs and says, okay, we're going to go and cut these groups by half. Not because they became suddenly stupider or lazier or somehow incompetent, but just because of the race, they were going to cut them down. Uh, That's really astounding and extremely harmful for the individual's and the city, to be able to go and say that we're going to just cut you down by half. And the irony, the incredible bias there, it was so ingrained that they didn't even think that it was wrong. 
So that's pretty scary from somebody who's Asian, from a um, advocacy for rights for every single group. And that's what the real moral imperative is. Do not do to others that you would not have done to yourself. Well, a, a, a thousand percent. The, the other thing here is that, you know, everybody talks about what they try to sell. When I say they try to sell uh, people who want Carranza's idea of doing away with the testing or now it's gifted and, and talented programs as well, uh, is that, well, it, it's not fair because other people can't afford to take these special courses or, or preparatory courses. I'll use you as an example. Well, I, I, no, no, just... no, no, but I'm using you as an example because I would say this. Weiwa was very shy. I kind of got it out of it by accident. She's got not one, not one, not two, not three, but four children graduated from Stuyvesant and not one took a prep test. Am I correct? They did not take a prep course. A prep, so, a, a, a prep course. That's right. But my, my point being, for example, in Brooklyn Tech, 66% of the students, and the majority are Asian Americans, uh, are on either subsidized or free lunch. So we're not talking about rich kids. No, not, not rich kids. And, and we have to think about a couple of things. One is that I think that people who... Uh, think about test prep as uh, first of all, you shouldn't call it test prep. It's, it's really uh, it, it studies that are necessary for a lot of the kids who are not getting the proper instruction in their schools. The other thing is that it's actually relatively cheap. You know, most people go around and say, "Well, it's four hundred dollars an hour." You know, that's nonsense. That's complete nonsense. It might be four hundred dollars for several months. Yes, it's it's actually cheap as far as childcare goes. And so, if you are concerned, you are working to working parents. And I I do know of some parents who are working until eleven o'clock. There was one kid who, uh, at at one of these uh, schools, who did not um, close his cell phone. And so the the uh, the rule is that your parent has to come and pick up the cell phone. Okay. And the kids started crying because his parents were working until 11 o'clock. He knew how hard they were working, and he felt so ashamed that he, something like this would happen. So let's go back to the money here. It is not very expensive, and if you want to look for something expensive, of course, you could always do that, but most people are not spending a lot. They do make a sacrifice. That is true. So that means that you will have to pay well, however much money it is. There's cheaper courses. There are more expensive courses. But this is not just for a test. It is for learning basic academic skills. And you can always, too, go to a library. And, and we must use them. These are resources in the city that uh, kids should uh, mine and know that they're there. Every single library has a whole thick book on the SHSAT, actually. I, I found that when I was going there a couple of months ago, there was a whole stack of them free to go. Anybody could pick it up, and it has several tests. It tells you what you should study. It guides you. Mm -hmm. However, if you do not know that there's such a thing as a library, you've got other problems that are right. much, much deeper. And I actually had somebody when I, who was saying to me, well, but, you know, you knew about libraries. And it was, I was just astounded. 
astounded. How could you accuse somebody of knowing about libraries in New York City? Well, but that to me goes in line to what we're talking about. Like I mentioned, the young lady who didn't know that this was available to her or, or these schools were inexistent and where she could get help. And, and let's let's try and put our, our, on our thinking caps here for a second. And if somebody would say to me, well, Russ, you, you're talking with Weiwei here, and, and there is certainly a basis to, to make accusa- accusations of racism, but if we wanted to make it more diverse, how could we do that? My answer to that is then get all the children, spend the money in the right places, and get the children uh, the proper programs, make sure the programs are implemented into the schools, but make sure when you're doing that, you do not create a divisiveness, which he has done thus far. I, I mean, I read something. Uh, he's bringing these teachers. Th- this to me was just, uh, I mean, it, it made me sick. He hired a consultant because, uh, again, folks, this is uh as I call him, the henchman, uh, Richard Carranza, racial equity training. Now, he hired a consultant, uh, you know, to teach this racial equity to the educators in our system. And this is a quote from from her. Her name is Darnisa Amante. If I had a poor white male student and I had a middle class black boy, I would actually put my equitable strategies and interventions into that middle-class black boy because over the course of his lifetime, he will have less access and less opportunities than that poor white boy. Now, so this is not just about Asians. This is about everything. And I'm not saying it because you're sitting here. I'm saying it to the people out there. He should not be in his position. He should be fired. And quite frankly, we ought to be able to do away with the the, the mayor as well because that is... That is such a divisive remark. Can you imagine if I said that about a black child or you said that? I just. Nobody should say. Nobody should say. You know what? Nobody should. Exactly. It's uh, completely inappropriate. Uh, It is astounding that uh, this passes for training for our teachers. I, I, I actually feel bad that our teachers are undergoing this kind of training when they should be getting trained on how they could teach our kids better. Instead, they're being uh, uh, drummed. And really, there's things going on there that even teachers are being reduced to um, some concerns about how do they deal with some basic issues of equity? Because now we're talking about fairness. Is it fair to say that one kid because of their race versus another kid uh, because of their race is better or worse. No, we shouldn't. And, you know, one kid could be poor, one could could be rich. Let's not even put that aside. One could be female, one could be male. You know, we shouldn't start judging them based on that. I think that that's completely wrong. Well, well the, the reason this, again, it, it just gets my dander up is because it's, it's so divisive and... Um, like I, as I mentioned earlier, the, the Asian American community is put in a very awkward situation, and I'm sure it's a, a situation that you prefer not to be in. You're fighting for your children, and well, for example, there was was a meeting. I, I forget exactly where well when it was, but they had parents, uh, 
Asian American parents. I think it was at a school in in Chinatown. Uh, uh, yes, it was an uh, intermediate school, right, middle school. Right, and, and so they had Asian American parents and um, African American parents and Hispanic parents, and it became a shouting match. And, and that's my concern: is like, don't put the black hat on the Asian community. Nobody should wear the black hat here except Carranza and de Blasio. Well, fortunately, I have to say that I do not think that there was any shouting match between the groups of people. Mm -hmm. Uh, The parents in the audience were not fighting against themselves. The Asians were actually furious that the chancellor was there and did not accommodate for the Asians in the audience Uh, because when he walked in... uh, here we have a school in Chinatown, and there are words, uh, because we're inclusive in that manner, it's a Sun Yat-sen school, so there were words also in Chinese there. Um, for a community that's highly Asian, many of whom are first-generation immigrants without English, uh, he did not have translators for Chinese. He had none. Did he, did he have translators for Hispanic? Yes, he did. And uh, you know, he started the meeting in Spanish, in fact. Oh. Uh, so it, the, the, the irony of that, that, I think that that just was incredibly disrespectful. It showed exactly what he thought of this community, that it did not count. For them not to have a translator in a Chinese school, well, I shouldn't say a Chinese school, but a school in Chinatown where a lot of the parents and the students are uh, Chinese, that's not right. It's the exclusion that the Chinese have suffered for so long. And I would also say for uh, the the sense this year in particular, you know, there are so many things that have happened. We're facing the 150th anniversary of the transcontinent, completion of the transcontinental railroad. And uh, that was one that was completed with tremendous effort by the Chinese. And it, they, they're 90-some percent from the West Coast of the workers were actually Chinese. Right. And they completed in 12 hours 10 miles of track. That was incredible. In one less than one day, we're talking 12 hours, they completed 10 miles. That's never been done after that, even with incredible new technology. And so... What happens after that? Because of the good work that they did, they were excluded after well, that. Well, I would you just open up the garage for me, Dora, the the Chinese I- Exclusion Act. And listen, uh, listen, that's I was not aware of it. Uh, you know, I've started to do my homework on, on the Chinese community and uh, Asian American community, and, and I, I really was not aware of the Chinese Exclusion Acts. It, it was really disgraceful. I, I mean, because uh, long story short, folks. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, Weiwa, uh, you know, Chinese people came over, Chinese immigrants came over, and they were doing their work so well, and they also were sending money back home to China, but they were doing it so well, and they were doing it cheaper than, quote-unquote, their uh, Asian, uh, their, their white colleagues, and uh, because, they, long story short, for protection of the white colleagues... They became the Chinese uh, Exclusion Acts. And then you were, for a period, it was, it was something like a 10-year period yeah. in, initially. And then uh, I think it started in the late 1880s. You weren't allowed to hire 
there were a lot of restrictions in many things, not just a matter of, of being uh, restricting people from entry, but there were certain things that you could not have, like you cannot own certain property. And it took 60 years to repeal those acts. Yeah, I think it was 1943 is, is when it was repealed. And the only the, not, I shouldn't say the only reason, but the main reason, wartime and... That's right. We, we needed right. some a morale boost. That's right. And you, you have to think about what was happening in the country, in America here, uh, from the 1980s, uh, from the 1880s to the 1940s. The population in America grew by more than twofold, more than twofold. So it went from something like 50-some million people to 130-some million people. But what happened at that same period was because of the Chinese Exclusion Act, the Chinese were actually decreasing by about 30%. So if you take that double whammy of actually having the country grow, it was more than the 30% drop, really. It was probably closer to something like a 67% drop. And so what happened during that period, you mentioned the war also, that in, in World War II, a tremendous number, a percentage of the Asians actually went to war for this country. And so uh, that's another point that I, I should mention right now that uh, we finally got uh, one of the last, last groups to get the Congressional Gold Medal mm-hmm. for our World War II vets. The Chinese-American World War II vets are finally uh, getting that. That was just passed into law uh, the end of last year. These vets are all dying. But something like one quarter of all of the Chinese-Americans served in the military. And that's an amazing percentage so sure is. when you have uh, people mostly male, that this was a much more male uh, community because uh, the there was exclusion, and so a lot of them were not able to bring over the wives. But I should also say that the women served too. The women were translators, they were nurses, they were also <clears throat> pilots, uh, transferring things, and, um, and, and and pilot instructors as well, pilots as well as instructors. So we we want to recognize uh, these last. World War II vets, there aren't that many left. This is the greatest generation. Uh, They have served this country valiantly, and uh, we want to make sure that they've recognized. And so if you happen to know any World War II vet or next of kin, I encourage you to get them to register for the gold medal. That's at uh, CAWW2.org. That's uh, not not my organization directly, but I I think that it's something that is a worthy cause. This was an initiative that was started by the Chinese American Citizens Alliance, but it is something that really has been a tremendous in trying to say that we are a part of this country despite all of the restrictions that were made on us. And that's the same thing, that we want to be a part of the solution in this country, in this city. We want to be a part of the solution in education also here, that we think we can do, we can help. Uh, we believe in education, and we think that some of the things that we're doing in our community should be done in every community. Well, well I, let me ask you this, because, as I say, I graduated Brooklyn Tech in 1969. You know, my my, my Chinese friends, most of them uh, at Brooklyn Tech, were from Chinatown. And I saw, you know, they lived in tenements and what. I, I saw, I thought I had a study, but I didn't study like they studied. I mean, I saw it. And they were characters and fun guys just like me. But when it came to doing that, and if you will, that's the stereotype or or, or that we generalize that 
that community, your community, very bright. They study. What is it? I, I, to me, Wewa, it's more than it's more than in the genes. To me, it's just part of a culture that the value that they put on education, and I also think the respect that the children have for the parents has a lot to do with that. When when mom and dad say you're studying, they're studying. Whereas, I'll say it in my household or other households, it's not the same. Is that fair to say? I think for the first generation, that's probably true. I think that for later generations, it's a little bit more difficult to say. Um, and that's with any group, too. I mean, you'll sure. find it with a new uh, Jamaicans, sure. for example, or, or you know, people who are, have come from um, Kenya, Nigeria. You know, you've, you're going to find that same impetus in the first generation um, families to study and to improve their lot in life. And so, yes... Education is very important, and we do believe in it perhaps more than a lot of other groups, but we share it with every other culture. You know, we want to say that if studying is good for us, we actually think that studying is good for everybody. Sure it is. And so we may study different things. We have to choose, but it is good for society to uh, advance our academic ability, especially in this um, global world that we're facing right now you're certainly fighting the good fight i i haven't really i just thought about it i haven't really asked you this uh even in our private chats um have you had or, or tried to get a meeting with carranza and or de blasio and i'm not saying just you personally but the the community uh, where you the president of, of the alliance can sit down with him and say you know what are you talking about in a respectful way I think that both the mayor and chancellor know exactly our positions, okay? And uh, the uh, the importance of being able to address the changes, the needs that this system requires to be able to address a lot of the issues that we have. If, if we don't change them, that's going to fail more and more generations. And so uh, we have made our position very clear. Uh, we have been known uh, to to all the groups, but I think that that's something that we have to uh, think about. Why do you have education? And one of it is to serve the individual, but the other is to serve society. And that can bring us to other issues, too. You know, we, we talk about if you don't teach kids well, they can do the wrong thing. Oh, amen to that. Okay. And so we have to stop that very early. And so I'll just segue very quickly to two sentences. You know, they're talking about putting a jail, another jail. You, you, in, you beat me to it. And while well, I'm going to say it in my language, okay. the, the, the Asian Americans in particular in Chinatown are getting screwed. Again, forget about this specialized test, but, but you're right. There's uh, supposedly a 40-story jail that they want to put in Chinatown. The world's largest, tallest I guess tallest jail, certainly. The, the world's largest, tallest jail in Chinatown, a, a small community there. It, when I read that, it just boggled my mind. And, and, and when does it stop? I really don't know. It looks like you, the Asian community is getting it from all sides here. Uh, I don't mean to be laughing. Right, uh, you, right. It's a sarcastic mm -hmm. laugh. Yeah, we're, uh, it's a, uh, certainly offensive. Uh, and it's a is something that is really devastating to the community. And when you have that big a jail 
and the disruption to everybody's lives there too. So it's not just after the fact, but it's also for the the uh, ten years of building the jails too. This is going to be placed right next to our senior center. People are going to die because of this. These are people who have suffered through 9-11 already with the debris and the, the fumes and all of the new construction uh, debris that will come. Uh, this would be very, very harmful for them. And to think, it's not a NIMBY question. It's not as if we have no jails there. We already have several jails there. We have already three there. And Epstein just recently made another one famous down there. So, you know, we, we don't... It's not a matter of uh, not having any here and we don't want any, but we already have them. And to have another one that is so tall, it really does ruin the the community. Uh, There's a park right there. It's going to take away the park because the construction, where would the construction stage everything? They're going to put it right in the park that is being used by the elderly and by children. And so... um, This is, again, not addressing the key issues that should be addressed in education because you have to stop people from getting into the position of needing to go to jail. You know, we want to have them uh, as productive members of society, and I think you have to start it early. And to be able to see what are the abilities, the, the nature and nurture part, of a kid. It's really talking about nature and nurture. There's a certain nature. You know, some people are more inclined to do this versus sure. another. That's the way it is. You know, if you have kids, you know that they're born differently. Um, if you want to t- treat them to the best of their ability, you have to start thinking very early how do we teach them so that we can have really productive members for themselves, individuals, as well as for uh, society in general. So I think that you have to start that early. And and for the mayor and the chancellor to think about uh, always pitting one group against another as opposed to saying, let's get down to business and say, how do we fix our schools? How do we teach our kids so that they could really be productive members in the 21st century? I don't think they've looked at that. When they talk about enrichment, they haven't talked about advancement. Uh, They say, oh, let's get rid of the gifted and talented programs that work. Instead, let's go and have enrichment. But what the heck? Does enrichment mean? Nobody knows. You're you're playing with words that are very interesting. As as you said earlier, let's not call them elite. Let's call them advanced. And then there's enrichment. And and Ramia, you're right. right. It makes a great deal of sense. It really does. Uh, You certainly, as a president of the alliance, you have your hands full because between uh, what they're trying to do what Carranza's trying to do with de Blasio plus the jail business, I mean, you know, that's a lot on your plate. It's a lot on the plate for this small community. Yes. And it's a community that has struggled so much for so many generations. And to still be facing that after all of this time, uh, I I think that it's a hard burden. And um, we should try to address it, but we're still magnanimous as far as that goes. We're still thinking about what are solutions for the entire city. It's not really a matter of uh, not in my backyard. It's not in a, a issue that we, we we think that we have a secret uh, to uh, taking tests or anything like that. We think that studying makes sense. You know, we, we don't call it test prep or something. You know, you go and study what, as you said, the Chinese 
classmates that you had studied a lot, and we need to do that for this uh, new uh, economy. Look, I, I'll again. Uh, I remember I sat uh, as part of a debate. Let him rest in peace with the great tennis player Arthur Ashe, and. There used to be a thing way back. I'm, I'm trying to. Well, it had to be in in uh, early '90s. Uh, there was a, a a discussion that the SATs were racially biased against African Americans, and a lot of coaches were saying that. You know, basketball coaches, and and there was one John Cheney in particular from Temple, who's a terrific, very famous coach. Mm-hmm. And, and I had a conversation with him on the radio, and I said, Coach. With all due respect, I went to this place called Brooklyn Tech. And he says, yeah, I'm familiar with Brooklyn Tech. I said, well, yeah, well, I went to Brooklyn Tech. And let me tell you something. And I said it just like this. The brothers at Brooklyn Tech had no problem getting 13 and 1400 or 1200 or whatever on the SATs. None whatsoever. So it doesn't wash. And I remember Arthur Rash. When he would, when people would say no, you know it's racially biased, and, and author's comment was because education was very important to him, and, and he said no. If and if you fail it once, then you take it again, and if you fail it, oh, we were talking about athletes here, and if you fail it twice, or you don't get the right good enough mark, you take it again and again until you get it right. It's not supposed to be given to you. So that's, to me, what angers me because, again, you've heard it from – I've heard it from Cornegay. There's Mona Davids, the the, the young gal that that I read her her editorial from. A lot of people in the black community because you're also – you're telling them you're not good enough to make it without – as I said, if you can't beat the elite – Let's cheat the elite. And that really is the framework of what, what Richard Carranza and the mayor is doing. Uh, Wait, well, I can't thank you enough for coming by because I, I think a lot of what you said, better coming from you than, than me because. He, no, some, I can't agree to that. Russ. No, 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 no. But for, from your, you need somebody from your community to say it. See, see, I, for, for lack of a better term, I'm just pissed off because I went to these, this school I know how good the school is. I know the one thing that I got out of going to Brooklyn Tech, and I went at a time before they had girls. So I went with something almost 7,000 boys. And the common bond that we all had, we all basically came from nothing. That was the bond. So the great sense of pride. I'm, I'm more proud of my high school diploma than I am my college diploma because of what that taught me. And I feel that Carranza and de Blasio are taken away. I am all for the diversity because I went to school with that diversity. But don't punish people for succeeding if you're failing. It's up to you to bring the level up, not the ones that are succeeding. Don't knock them down. Ross, I agree with you completely. Wei Wachin, the uh, president of the Chinese American Citizens Alliance of Greater New York. Wei Wa, I can't thank you enough for being here. And uh, you got to promise to keep me posted on this because uh, I'm part of this now. And um, we got to do something about this. We got to get this right. Thank you, Ross. And thank you very much for inviting me. 
My pleasure. And that, folks, is a wrap here. I want to thank all of you for getting a load of this. Now i like to get a load of you. Let me know your thoughts on today's podcast, which I think is a very important one. You can contact me always on Twitter, at Russ Salzberg. You can check me out on Facebook. You can also always check out my website, russsalzberg.com. My thanks to Crash, a.k.a. Mike Caragliano, across the way, takes such good care of me. My OG Podcast Network producer, Tim Einico. Dave Labrosi, 77 WABC program director, and uh, his trusty assistant, Matt Dahl. Of course, I want to thank Weiwa Chin for being here. And last but certainly not least, I want to thank all of you people out there, because without you people out there, I have nobody in here to be talking to. So until next time, it is Ira Salzberg saying to all of you, bye-bye, so long, and farewell. Have yourselves a great week. is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.